Hello, my lovely listeners, and welcome back to Catamania. In this week's episode, I had a comedian on, a girl with whom, honestly, I just vibed with. I got connected with her through my Instagram, through my work and my comedy, and I just had a feeling that I have to have her on my show because I had a feeling that we would have a great conversation. You guys know me and how I always do my best to follow a hunch or an intuitive lead. And I just have this feeling like I have, I have to invite her, I have to have her on. So the second, well, not the second, but like right away, as soon as I sent her the message to be on my show, she was like, I'd love to. She came on my show and we had a lovely conversation. We chatted about uh, life in LA. Chandler is born and bred in LA, which I know is a rare thing, relatively rare thing, I guess. Life in America versus life in Eastern Europe. Losing friends and acquaintances and connections because of difference of opinions and because of your belief system, which I think is going to be interesting for you guys to hear. Um, Getting offended and why people are so sensitive these days and many other things that I I think you guys will vibe with. I really do. Um, I know that many of you are very open-minded people and you maybe yourself don't run into a situation where you want to cut someone out of your life just because they think differently from you. But there are a lot of people who do that. And it's very unfortunate that we can't agree that our intellect gives us the ability to think for ourselves and therefore have difference of opinions. So anyways, I think you'll enjoy this conversation. And if you do, and if you like this podcast, as per usual, please give it five stars, thumbs up, or whatever the like button is on the platform that you're listening to this on. Enjoy and stay blessed. live. Welcome to Catamania, Miss Chandler Juliet. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you reached out and we connected. It was it was nice to connect with you. Yeah, I think I think I just saw that you followed a lot of similar personalities. So I was like, okay, I feel like we're gonna get along. And then I saw that you did your own comedy videos, which I really loved. And I love that you do them all yourself, you know, with your, it seems like you're filming on your iPhone and you're playing all these different characters and you're playing men and, and doing all these culture comparisons. It's really fun. So yeah, I'm glad that we uh, e-connected. Yes, thank you so much. It means a lot. It takes a lot of work, right? So, you know, I think a lot of times also it's like out of your control as to how far your content goes. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Like you'll post something and then Instagram will have a bad day or like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes somebody <laughs> somebody at Instagram disagrees with me and they're like, we're not going to show your content exactly. to many people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you find yeah. that? Like, do you find sometimes you post something and it just feels like somebody's behind the video not reaching enough people? Absolutely. It's, it's actually, I was talking about this with my fiance. It's quite frustrating to be in a field or, you know, this new version of, I guess, an older field. Um, you're kind of at mercy of this algorithm. You're kind of at mercy of this AI and we don't even know how it works. And we're kind of just guessing and trying things out. And I think that it wants you to like feed it. It wants you to post more and do all these things to keep the the whole system alive. But I try so hard. It's very hard because it does affect you. You're like, I worked so hard on this video. Like doesn't do well or whatever. But you have to just like accept that it's, you're not making, you know, you're not making your content for a robot, you're making it for people. And 
it'll just reach the people that it's meant to. And if it doesn't perform well, I'll just repost it in a month or something like that. But yeah, it, it does. Um, it does frustrate. I think a lot of really talented creators because we're in this age where we're kind of at mercy of how the algorithm deems our content relevant and how well it can categorize, which is really difficult with comedy, as I'm sure you know, because it's like sometimes we're like making fun of something or we're trying to make a point, but it's like not so straightforward. It's not like super like on the nose. So yeah, it can be tricky to get around that, that yeah. pesky, that pesky robot. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I feel you. So you are based in LA? Mm-hmm. Born Where and raised. You You're born and raised? You're an Angelino. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yep, I, you're my second one. Angelino. Yeah, you guys are rare. You're like the second Angelino that I met in the last month. So far, oh, really? I think Angelinos are awesome <laughs> from yeah. the two people that I've met. Um, but it's it's a beautiful, it's a really beautiful city. I know it has a like a bad rep these days, but I like yeah. went there um, last year with my husband with the intention to not like it. Like we were fully intending to not like it. We were like, there's this, all going to be all these issues that we've heard in the media and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we fell in love. Like, I mean, oh my gosh, where did I also you hang have out? this like ex USSR thing where it was my dream to go to Los. Like I used to see LA in movies and, it was like an unattainable dream for me to go there because you just couldn't go like with the visas, everything. Like you couldn't go there with my passport. And um, the first time I went there, I was like crying. I was like, oh my God, I'm in Los Angeles, California. This is amazing. So, <laughs> Yeah. That's yeah. so refreshing to hear your view of it. You know, I kind of like didn't really get that I lived like in LA until I was like a teenager. You know, I kind of, my parents were in the music industry and, they um, are session musicians, so they played like in big bands and and like the intros of big TV shows like Family Guy and Simpsons. Like they're musicians in that band, in that big band, in that orchestra. So mm -hmm. I knew that they were in entertainment, but it took me a while to kind of like get. And I wanted to do acting at a very young age, and it, I was like in, in proximity to like the agencies and like the studios and things like that. But it took me a while to like get that I'm like, oh, this is a place that a lot of people come, and they have this like rose-colored view of because it's in the movies and it looks so beautiful yeah. and I was already here so it, it is really interesting and it is a beautiful city and it is struggling right now and uh it's definitely tough to see somebody who's grown up here you know like I I kind of think that when you visit you're able to really like enjoy it for what it is and enjoy all the yeah. fun stuff and you know I think living here is a little bit tougher because you're seeing it go and take these ebbs and flows and things like that but it's hard to leave, you know, this is my home. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stick it out. But where did you hang out when you visited? So the first time I went there was actually with one of my girlfriends back in 2018. And we stayed in Venice. And we like went, you know, to Abikini, went to Santa Monica. And then I told her, I was like, She's like, what do you want to do? Because she's been there before. She was born and raised in Canada. She's been there before. She's like, you haven't. For you, this is like such a big deal. So she's like, where do you want to go? And <laughs> I was like, Kelsey, I really want to go to Beverly Hills. Like, I, I really have to see Beverly Hills, you know? <laughs> so we rented a car and she drove me to Beverly Hills. She drove me down Mulholland Drive. And I, I mean, it's like the pinnacle of humanity to me, Beverly Hills, you know? <laughs> like, it's just, everything is perfect there. 
And the grass is literally the greenest grass you'll ever see in your entire life. The houses are like unreal. And uh, even the fire hydrants are painted platinum. For those of you who are listening, if you didn't know that, the fire hydrants are painted platinum in Beverly Hills because regular fire hydrants are not good enough. So, yeah, we went to then when I went there with my husband in 2021, no, 2022, um, my cousin actually lives there. So we hung out with my cousin a lot and he knows like a lot of cool places, uh, restaurants. Like it's, I love the vibrance of it. It's a very, very vibrant city. And the fact that it's on the ocean is what really, really gets me. Like I love the ocean and just the ability to like go to the beach and not swim because the water is way too cold for me. I know people do it, it's but so just it's being by the water. Yeah, it's way too cold. Oh, but that's that's awesome. So you you mentioned you were in acting before. Yeah, I think, you know, when I was nine, I was watching like Disney Channel sitcoms, like Nickelodeon sitcoms. And I was like really young. I was like, I want to do that. And my mom's like, OK, well, like she made me do everything, but she never like did anything for me. She's like, well, pick up the phone and call them up and tell them you want to like ask them how to become an actor and things like that. That's I awesome. I love my mom for that. She really taught That's me how awesome. to like, figure things out for herself. Um, yeah. And I did a couple of commercials and things like that, but um, I grew up with music and that was kind of my main focus for uh, once I became like old enough to kind of decide what I wanted to do in life. I was writing songs my whole life and played a bunch of instruments. And when I was in high school and, um, and college, I started recording songs and putting them out on Spotify and like making albums and doing shows and performing in Hollywood and stuff. So that was actually my focus for about a decade, you know, with, you know, within college and to about a decade after that. And then right around when the pandemic hit, I was like, you know, I feel, I felt like I, I had a, a fork in the road. I think a lot of people did. I noticed a lot of people kind of like switched gears. It was an opportunity to like stop and like, you know, I don't even like this anymore. <laughs> and I think, totally. I had, uh, yeah, I hit a lot of, uh, a little, hit a lot of walls. And I think that the scene kind of just became something that, didn't really like align with me anymore. It, it became something um, different than what I thought I signed up for, I guess. And I think somewhere along the way from my own journey, songwriting stopped being about songwriting and expressing my gifts and like doing it for God or whatever. But it became about like pleasing these tastemakers and these gatekeepers in Hollywood and trying to get signed. It just became something that I didn't intend to start out with somewhere along the way. And everyone was like an activist and became more political than about like writing good music. So I just, mm. um, yeah, I started just making skits online and, and it's something that I've always loved doing, acting and making my own stuff. And I've done improv in college and I had like my little uh, sketch comedy troops throughout life. But I was always like asking my, my friend groups that make the films to like put me in them. And I was like, you know what? I'm so tired of waiting for people to like, write me into stuff or whatever like I'm just gonna do this myself I'm gonna write what I think is funny and I started making skits with my roommate at the time and uh you know it started slow because I had to kind of like deal with thinking that people are gonna be offended by what I'm making and I kind of had to address that head on well am I trying to offend people no I'm just trying to like make people laugh and think and provide some levity and clarity and some sanity affirmation so uh yeah I, then I decided to just totally go all in and and uh make a strategy out of it and 
post it like regularly on social media on Instagram and YouTube. And then not long after that, I started working for the Babylon Bee and they they do sketch comedy. They have a big YouTube channel. And uh, it just felt like I caught the other vine like right on time. And I just feel really grateful that I was able to pivot so quickly and so efficiently. And I felt like it took off right away. So I felt very affirmed by that decision to you know, step away from music. Although it was really hard at the time because I'm like, this is all I've ever done. I never thought I would give up or whatever. I, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I gave myself the permission to just be okay with that and, and pivot and try something new. And I'm having a lot, a lot of fun doing comedy videos. It's really, really fulfilling. It sounds to me like there was some course correction, like a forced force course correction and instead yeah. of giving up and being upset about it, you were like, you know what? I'm just going to see what else I can do. And you you just started doing something else and it took off. I had yeah. a very, very similar story, even like when you were talking about being offended. So I, but I was never in anything related to show business or entertainment. I was an auditor, <laughs> you know? Whoa. So yeah, I was, I was auditing, like I was doing audit, like accounting and audit. And uh, during lockdowns, because we, you guys had them pretty bad in California too, but we had a really bad in, in Canada and I was going crazy. And I was like, you know what? Like, I just want to, I bring, I want to bring some laughter into this world. And so I started doing sketches and they took off so quickly, not as quickly as like, I make it sound actually now, like it, it took a little while, but after they started to take off, it just kind of started to roll like, like a ball down the hill, you know? So I was like, oh, this is this is kind of cool. And then I've like rediscovered my childhood talents. And I was like, this is very interesting. So same thing. I like tried something new and I went through the same process with the whole offending people thing. I was so afraid that I was going to like say something that's like too much or, you know, maybe say something that is going to target somebody. And how is that going to work? And then I was like, you know what? Self-censorship is really bad. And if if comedy is being censored by comedians themselves, like by people who are trying to make fun, that's really, really bad. So I was like, no, this has got to be like, I got to push through and I got to, cause it's going to, uh, it's going to land with the right people and the right people will understand and will vibe with me and it's all going to be good. So I want to actually zone into that before, before I move into asking about Babylon B because it's such a hilarious channel. But anyways, before we move into that, let's talk about that. So you had a fear of offending people. How do you work through that? Yeah, I totally resonate with everything you said about, you know, feeling that fear and that self-censorship. And it's something I want to be like, very careful about because I don't want to be self-censoring and you want to reach the people that think the same way and you want to help like bring those people some levity, especially in this day and age. But in the beginning, I definitely was very petrified of fear that the community that I had in music, uh, they all think very one way um, would, you know, hate me and abandon me and unfollow me. And they all did. They pretty much all did. So everything I feared would happen, happened. But I feel like I've gained so much more and just being like a beacon for what I believe and what I find to be funny and the truth that I find in the world. And I found so many more people along the way. So I feel like it took a lo it took a long time to let go of that fear. And it took like action. Um, but I think eventually it did fall off and now I just don't care. Also, I think what really helped us seeing people get offended by things that are like not offensive at all. <laughs> people are so sensitive today. Like I, I made a video about Gen Z as parents, like, you know, the Gen Z slang videos are going, I was like, oh, and I usually don't like 
do trendy videos. Like I usually come up with my own character and just do that. And, you know, okay, it's not going to be super popular because I'm not following trends. I just do my own thing. But I was like, oh, I see this Gen Z thing, like Gen Z in therapy and Gen Z breakup. So I'm going to do Gen Z as like first time parents with a newborn. And like, they'll just say, oh, this hits different. Oh, whatever. So I make that video totally like lighthearted. Like I don't hate Gen Z or anything, but oh my goodness. These people in the comments were so offended, so triggered. You, I hate millennials. Millennials need to kill themselves. All this like horrible stuff. I'm like, wow. I'm never yeah. going to worry about offending people again because people, like, I think that what I've learned through doing internet sketch comedy is this is what the internet is for. People just go online and they like see something. Oh, I would thought, I'm going to like just type my thought on. Then you click on their profile. They have no followers, no pro. It's like, this is like the accounts that don't create anything and don't add anything. They just open up their app. They see the video and then they just like, like, you know what I mean? So I just don't really 100%. feel affected by haters anymore. It sometimes once in a while they'll hit. It's like, Oh man, that like really, they like, they hit on exactly the thing that I was insecure about. <laughs> but for the most part, I'm like this, these people are just, you know, non-entities. Yeah. They're just accounts. They're just names on a screen. And the internet moves so fast too. Like it moves really quick. And I just think, ah, tomorrow, like they'll be onto something else and so forth. So I've been lucky to not have any major controversies, but I think that's because the scene is so saturated with talented people doing, you know, similar stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think people are going to waste their time being offended and like talking about it and like writing it out that then they just must not be that productive of an individual no they they have a lot of time on their hands i was talking to somebody about this on my podcast it's like i don't i just simply don't have time and the energy to look at stuff that i don't like i would rather look at stuff that i like you know yeah but yeah. no matter what you post like you're right no matter what it is that you post somebody's <laughs> gonna interpret it in their own way take it personally i know I every <laughs> time i've said that chivalry is beautiful i've been called a gold digger and i'm like okay that okay you know that's yeah. completely unrelated but okay that's your opinion I like know. maybe it makes you feel better to think that way you know why yeah. do you think people are so sensitive i want to hear your your take on it as somebody who was born and raised in this beautiful place you know why that's do so why cool. do you think people in the west get so easily offended these days that's a really good question i think there's that the, the saying that comes to mind is what is this what is it it's hard times what is it? Hard times hard make time. strong men. Yeah. And so and I don't know what the uh, hard you know times. What? Yeah. There's like a graph like that, that circle. I don't know exactly what you're talking mm -hmm. about. Um, hard, tough times make tough men, tough men make good times. Good times make weak men, weak men make tough times. Yeah. Yes. So 100%. I think that that's kind of what we're seeing is uh, we're so privileged and you say it's in the West. I'm so curious if this is like, something that you guys think that this is just what Americans are doing, because that would make a lot of sense. But yeah, I think that people don't have a, a really strong sense of, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like work ethic or like our, our whole reality sounds different, America versus the rest of the world. But I think that people are just so privileged and just, it's a privilege to be offended by something on the internet, you know what I mean? And be like, meow, meow, meow. like that's, that's, yeah. You know, what, what, yeah. what are you doing? What are you doing in your life? You're not working. You're not planting seeds. I don't know. <laughs> just like, I have no idea what these people do. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know why people are so sensitive. I think that it's been uh, encouraged. You know, this behavior is being rewarded and encouraged. Being offended and being a victim is like, you get a trophy for that now. And that's almost why like an ideology. Like, 
I'm, I'm, oh, I'm going to go by different pronouns because like, I can't be a victim or a minority in these other ways. So I'm just going to pretend that I'm a different, whatever. I don't know. See, now we're getting into it. Now we're getting into the weeds and I'm going to actually <laughs> piss people off. But this is the truth. Like, it's like a victimhood contest. And I think that that's why people are like so proud. That's offensive. Like, no, it's like, that's nothing to be proud of. Being offended is a weakness, in my opinion. I think the strength is to be like, I'm not offended by anything because I know me. I know who I am. God knows who I am. And that's all that really matters to me. I don't really care what you people think. So, and it's taken a while for me to get there personally. But yeah. But once you do, yeah. you're like, wow, that's really dumb to be offended by stuff all the time. Like, I don't, I can't. So this is what I always say about being offensive. And you're totally right. There's almost like a culture of rewarding weakness as opposed to rewarding toughness, which is the complete opposite of how people are raised back where I'm from. Now, I'm not like I live in the West and I love living here and I don't necessarily foresee myself ever moving back. There are certain aspects of the life here that I just now that I'm used to them, I just can't go back to not having them, you know, but mm -hmm back where I'm from you're raised to just not like if somebody says something offensive to you that doesn't vibe with you you just move on like that's their opinion about you you have bigger things to do in life you have bigger problems like you got to focus on yourself kind of thing right whereas here I do agree with you there's this culture of rewarding weakness and victimhood and I always say this like what is exactly being offensive like if you if you really think about it if you really analyze it it means that you're giving total and complete power to the person who said or did something that you know triggered something in you yeah. total power over your emotions your feelings why would you do that like you that's know. if if i say something to somebody and they get offended i never want that kind of power ever like i i don't i don't want it i really don't want it i barely have power over my own emotions and feelings let alone you know somebody else so it makes zero sense to me. It makes so much more sense to be like, hey, my feelings and my emotions are mine. Whatever you say or think of me, it doesn't matter. I'm going to carry on with doing me and making sure that I am, you know, the best I could possibly be, as cheesy as it sounds. And who cares what somebody else says? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's a much more empowered way to think, isn't it? To think, okay, well, you can say things, you can even do things that don't agree with me, but there's something for me to learn about how it's making me feel. And uh, yeah, I, I really strive to not ever really be in a reactive state. So if I find myself being like easily annoyed or like really reactive, I, I tend to like audit my own behavior. Like, okay, what's going on? Am I starting my day with my phone? Because sometimes I'll start my day with my phone. You know, we're all human. I try not to, but, and then I'll notice that I'm like, you know, I'm basically taking in stimulus from the outside world. And that makes me in a reactive state. I'm, I'm watching something else and I'm just, and I'm feeling a certain way about it. It's triggering a certain feeling or maybe no feeling at all, but that makes you not very proactive, you know, mm -hmm. you're not really carving out your day. You're just sitting there like having like a virtual experience. That's not really, you know, you're not doing anything. You're just sitting there watching and putting yourself in like a reactive state in in like the reaction seat, I guess. So yeah, I think that it's, it is a much more empowered place to be, to be uh, proactive and, and taking control of your own experiences and your own emotions. So I like that a lot better and I choose to live the same way. So, and I was raised that way. I would say like, culturally, I see exactly what you're talking about. Like, it's really bizarre 
but that's not how I was raised. So I, I don't know. I mean, I why. speak in general terms. There's, and you know, you mentioned that America could be the worst. I actually really believe that Canada is way worse than the United States. Cause you guys have people who like speak up and I mean, we do too, but on just on a general level as a country, I'm very worried about Canada in that regard because it's more intense and there's a lot less of us, right? You guys have, everything is so much more sensationalized in the United States. But so yeah. obviously, you know, in all of my comedy and when I do these cultural comparisons, it's all generalized. But so go yeah. ahead. Yeah, you were raised, you were saying to- Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, you know, I keep hearing this, like, I keep seeing this, especially in the recent years. And I have to say, like, as an American, I, I'm seeing- a lot of things kind of just fall apart and it's not cute and it's not great. But I, I would say that even before that, I think that there was kind of like this media, like everyone thinks that America's the best, but it's like actually not like Americans are so dumb and like they just eat cheeseburgers and pizza and drink solo cups. And like, I heard that other countries would have like America themed parties and like, that's what they think of us. They just eat cheeseburgers and have like the red solo cups and stuff. And I'm like, that's so interesting. I think that people like, really crap on America, even though America was supposed to be like this different country, like this is a different set of rules and that that's made like revolutionary and this, this new thing. But I think be, like over time it has, it has eroded and it's become something like not, not great. And it's definitely been not great in the last like six years, especially probably since nine 11, I would say things like have really gone downhill. Um, but it is like crazy that like the media and even social media, the user generated like videos, people are always crapping on America. And it's like, wait a second, like I, I hear you, but like why why are all eyes on us? You know, if why are you even talking about us if we don't matter at all? I guess it's just like interesting. Think, so I'm curious, like about your view and what what it was what it was like when you learned about America. Like you're seeing Los Angeles on TV. You know, I've never had an outside perspective of this country. So I'm curious to hear, you know yours well it's it's a loaded question because you know first to address what you were saying about why why are people talking so much about america you guys are a very powerful country on a global scale um and your government has gotten involved on a global scale in a lot of things so i think just the 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 influence that america has had in you know last few decades on the world is huge um, and you know, a lot of it is, is negative, quite frankly, but I think when you have such a global suit, like, why is, why is everybody talking about Russia? Why is everybody talking about China? These, these countries are global superpowers that have power over the whole world. Right. So it's inevitable that people are going to talk about it, but politics aside, it has for the longest time, pretty much what's this more world war II. And it still remains to date, as messed up as it is, a place where you can come with nothing and build yourself up to the level of Elon Musk if you, you know, have the work ethic, have the brains. If you if you do that, if you do those, if if you really, you know, strive to achieve something and you work for it, you will you will do it. You will achieve the success at a level where it's, you know, it's probably gonna be much harder to achieve something like that, like even in my own country. The opportunities that U.S. has is, I mean, it's incomparable still, even like, you know, with all the crazy stuff that's going on. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that I wouldn't be able to go to your home country and have like the same opportunity? Like, what do you think the main 
differences because people always crap on capitalism, but I kind of hear what you're it's saying. It's capitalism. It's capitalism. It's like, that's an people opportunity. People crap on capitalism. Exactly. People crap on capitalism, but like, what's the alternative? Communism? Have you been to a communist country? We've never tried it, but like, no, I don't think that's going to no, work. No, we well. have. We really have. It's. I mean, I'm a. I'm very pro-capitalist. Yes, I understand that it has some darkness to it, and yes, I understand that there's some, you know, fuckery involved in it, but. Again, what's the alternative? Yeah. The alternative yeah, is way is, worse. There is, there is a downside for sure. And I do think that more and more so, like, especially since we're outsourcing everything to China, it seems like so pro money and not pro quality all the time. So that's like frustrating. But we also have a choice. You know, we have a choice in that. You don't have to buy like low quality stuff. You can choose to buy higher quality stuff. Um, and then there's like the food thing, which is just like starting to piss me off more and more as I get older. I'm like, why is our food system so, so, so corrupt? Like it is so crazy, but I think it's just like the mass production. There's so many people here. It's a lot of people to feed. And like, yeah, I don't know. People just want to like squeeze all the money they can out of these systems. So it is, there are things that are frustrating about living in America. And I will say like growing up here, we don't learn anything about geography. Like I don't know where anything is still. I, I keep wanting to get a world map so I can just like study it. Because, like, I don't know where anything is, but I think that other people are raised to think of America as, like, a breeding ground for opportunity. And you can yeah. go there and become something. And I've heard that from pretty much every, you know, immigrant that I've ever met. It's like, oh, my gosh, America, it's amazing. Like, I came from it, a communist yeah. country or whatever. Like, this is it. This is where it's at. And um, I really appreciate that. I appreciate that gratitude because it seems like the people who were born here don't have that gratitude. They hate that's it. It's my, like, why that's, you, that's, you that's the thing. Me? Exactly. That's the thing that I just can't understand is you guys hate on it. And I'm like, my biggest desire, and I, I've yes. discussed this with so many people, is that when you, when, when you know, can you, and Canada is the same. I know that Canada really tries to say that we're not, but it's the same thing. My biggest wish is that when Americans and Canadians graduate, like grade 12, they are sent on like a year field trip to probably starting with former communist societies. Because I guarantee you, <laughs> they would come back and they'd be like, oh, damn, okay, we need to protect this. Yes, it's not ideal. Yes, there's some messed up things. Yes, things are unfair in many ways. But, but we have a really good starting point and we need to improve what we already have, not destroy it and build something else over it. You know, like yeah. I, I've had debates with, um, you know, some of some of the people who were born and raised in, in Canada and they haven't really experienced life anywhere else. And I always say this, if I could for one year send you to, I don't know, Cuba or Venezuela with zero dollars in your bank account and ideally take your passport away from you, I wouldn't be able to do that because if you are a Canadian or American citizen, that's it. You're a Canadian or American citizen. But just for you to, to experience what it's like to not have an option, like you don't have the option to travel, you don't have the option to make a lot of money in a lot of these cases, like it's very, very, it's much harder than it is in Canada or United States, you know? So I think definitely, you know, you're talking about this gratitude. I think if, if more people realize the place that they're starting from and they were grateful for it and they weren't brainwashed to hate on everything and, you know, take everything personally. And there's this big narrative of like, well, if this person has more than I do, that's unfair. And there's like the sense of jealousy. It's like, no, this person has more than you do for some reason. You got to find out what that reason is. And maybe if you put in the work, if you put in, you know, yes, there's some unfairness to many things, right. but 
in general, again, if you work hard, if you are dedicated, you can achieve great results. Yeah. This is getting very philosophical and I love it. I got to say. No, I, I, this, <laughs> no, I'm totally with you. And, you know, I really agree with you. I think that I wish that you said two things I want to touch on. You said, I wish that people could go on a one year trip to see other things before they make their next move. And I think that that would be so valuable. I wish that I did that. I think that we're so encouraged to do college and, and things like that. But you said the viewer, you said brainwash. And that's, that's something that I think is definitely happening through our media, through a lot of things like the, the whole, like hating on America rhetoric. That is, that is like an agenda and it's very bizarre, but it's happening. And if you can just like see it for what it is, an agenda, you yeah. can say, why would I be encouraged to hate the country that I live in? Like, that's so yeah. weird. Like, that's a really the country weird thing that I was born. Yeah, the country that is my home. Why? Why would I? Why? Who's it's, behind this? You're, you're very right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is. It is very confusing. And yeah, like every single historical thing that happened, like, isn't beautiful, but it brought us here. And I, I like how you're thinking. You know, we each have. Well, I like to think of it as like a deck of like a, a, a hand of cards, you know, we each have a hand of cards and some cards are bad and some cards are good. But if you strategize and you play your cards right, you can have an amazing life. And it starts with that gratitude and looking at your cards and saying, like, OK, what do I have and what can I play? Because I think that so many people are focused on what other people are doing. And yeah, like you said, being jealous, like that someone has more and they have privilege or whatever. It's like, well, you're not going to change your situation by looking at somebody else's garden. You know, you got to tend your own garden. And um, yeah, I think it starts with gratitude. I think that's like a value that it, it changes everything, you know, from changing your perspective to criticism and, and complaining to gratitude. That's like, it just changes the whole energy of your life. You can completely change your life with an attitude of gratitude. And it sounds so cliche, but it's true. It's true. And you can actually change things. But if yeah. you're complaining, you're in a you're in that reactive state again. You're like, no, I'm just need to complain. And like, I'm not going to change. You anything You give in your my life. power away. You give your power yep. away, and you give your responsibility, exactly. like responsibility for your life, to somebody else. This is another great thing, actually, about America. For the most part, there, well, historically speaking, at least, you don't rely on anybody else as a, as a citizen of that country for your success. It's on you. And you are responsible for it. You can't do that in in a socialist country. In a socialist country, you're very dependent on you know what the government is doing and so on and so forth. So, you know that's it's you have the freedom to do these things, right? Enjoy it and and do it. And so, I want to actually ask you something. From gratitude, I think comes definitely the sense of like, okay, well, I can be responsible for my own life. But if, you know, if somebody is in this place and they're listening to this and they're like super triggered by what we said, which most of my listeners won't, but this will reach somebody who will get triggered. I hate using that word, but they'll get triggered inevitably. And, but if they're open-minded to it, what advice would you give them? They're like, okay, but it's easy for you to say, you know, place of gratitude. Cause you mentioned something earlier. You also had to do some work on, you know, no longer giving your power away to other people for your feelings and your emotions and stuff like that. Where did you start? Like, how did, the, how did you become this Chandler Juliet girl who now doesn't care too much about what other people say and don't get offended and you take personal responsibility? That's a really good question. I would say it's like, if okay, there are two questions in there. If I wanted to give somebody advice who like might be coming from nothing, I would just say that gratitude is, <clears throat> it's, sometimes it comes easily and sometimes it doesn't come easily. It's a practice that requires you to look, take a hard look 
at the corners of your life that you've been neglecting, you know, the electricity in your house, the roof over your house, that stuff blends into the background after a while. But like, that's something that a lot of people don't have. And that's like where gratitude actually becomes like a difficult practice because over time things do blend back into the background. And then we're like complaining about our job or whatever things, things that we should be grateful for. So I'd say that gratitude works for you at whatever level you are at, because everyone has something to be grateful for. If you're breathing, you have something to be grateful for. You're alive, you have consciousness, you know? Um, So I would say that it works wherever you're at and it's a difficult practice sometimes. And it requires you to look at the details of your life that you have been neglecting. And from there, it turns into empowerment. Like you said, it's responsibility. And those are just the values that I preach personal responsibility, making your own choices. And I think gratitude is a great place to start because you can actually, you know, if you look at the building blocks of your life, you can start to like tinker and move things around. Um, As for the second question, like, where did I begin? I'm not really sure, but I just say like, I'm really passionate about personal development in general. I just find it like such an interesting thing to spend time on. I'm just like a very action-based person. I don't like some people like to complain and like, I like to complain, but I like to complain because I like I'm a verbal processor and like, I like to talk with a friend so I could like scatter all the words out, find like the solution and make a decision and move on. Like I do it to make, like take action as soon as possible. Um, that's just me. You know, I just don't like to waste time because I know that our time is such a finite thing and it's such a valuable currency. Um, but yeah, I guess I I started like th- like reading personal development books and things like that in um you know in college I guess and I just think that investing in yourself is such a is such it, it's a, an investment that will come back to you and um you know working on yourself and learning these skills and these tools to like deal with life because it is a lot it's a lot you know it's going to come back to you in a way that um you know maybe other knowledge won't and you know i i could learn a thing or two about history and other subjects as well but i just really care about personal development and and keeping that empowerment in house you know what i mean yeah it's it feels good it feels good to be able to have responsibility over your life and not give that power away so and you get it, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's crucial. And I, I don't know. I read somewhere that like a lot of the issues that were, I think it was Jordan Peterson. He retweeted something on on his Twitter, and you were just saying, you know, personal responsibility. And I'm like, this sounds simple. Obviously, it's not easy, but it sounds simple. But so, anyways, I saw him retweet something. There was some kind of. I guess, research done, psychological research. Now, don't quote me on exactly what it is and where it's from, but I remember him retweeting the parallels between narcissism and everything that's happening in, in you know, Canada and the United States. And because the narcissist can never take on personal responsibility or, you know, get into this place of like, well, I'm responsible for myself. Nobody else can offend me. Like there's always some kind of drama that needs to surround them and that they need to create. And I was like, damn is our society just becoming more and more narcissistic? Like what's happening here, you know? So if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I can't take personal responsibility. I can't, it's like, you got to examine what's going on because it's the most empowering thing. The single most empowering thing, a hundred percent. And personal yeah. development, I agree with you. Like I got really into it and there's no end to it. I think people think like you'll read a book, you'll do 
um, you know, a meditation or you'll say a few affirmations and that's it, you're done. It's like, it's a constant thing that you have to work on. Is there anything you can maybe recommend like a, a book for our audience, a, a favorite um, one of yours or the one that you started with or yeah, like a talk? The I, yeah. The one I started with, it's so funny. I was going through this breakup and I was really upset. I think I was in college. I must've been like 20 or 21. And I read You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. I don't know if you've heard of that one. And, oh yeah. Uh, You're a badass. She's got one, like You're a Badass at, at Making Money, I think. That's the one I read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that was her sequel. Yeah. But the first one, it was it was just okay. about, it's, it's really about empowering yourself and um, recognizing your gifts and like recognizing the, the blessings that you do have and how to apply that and how to just like get out of your own way and how to stop being a victim and all this stuff. And, and, you know, she obviously encouraged you to like look to a higher power if you don't, which I think is obviously life changing. <laughs> um, if you don't, if you just think that we're all here, um, then I would definitely maybe start there as well. Like reflecting on, on, um, you know, thinking about co connecting to your creator. You got here. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. And uh, I would say that in the recent years, I've read a few books. Atomic Habits is incredible. I was doing the 75 Heart Challenge, which I've done twice now. And I want to do it again. It's so good. It's such a good challenge. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, and it, I was reading Atomic Habits because you're required to read 10 pages of uh, of a personal development book every day, as in addition to drinking a gallon of water, two workouts a day, all this crazy shit. Um, but yeah, Atomic Habits was such a good book. It's principles that I need to revisit because it's so easy to, you know, get into these modes of like routine and habit and, and being really good. And then you can like fall off so easily. And it talks all about like how our mind works and how habits are formed and how you can break bad habits and build good ones. That one's really good. And also essentialism is a really great book. And um, it's just sort of about reflecting on what your highest contribution is to the world, to your job. What is your biggest value add? And basically cut out and minimize like everything else because we spend a lot of time just like scrambling and filling our days with tasks that aren't really moving the forward. So it's just sort of about like reflecting on what your biggest value add is and, and minimizing everything else to like maximize your free time and and the things that matter, like hanging out with your family and stuff. So um, yeah, those are three I would recommend for a newbie trying to get into personal development. I did try the more difficult ones like Power of Now and like How to Win Friends and Influence People and like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Those are like difficult reads. I don't know if you've made it through those books. Like uh, they're I, like the, really, really The wordy. only one out of those was How to Win Friends and Influence People and I loved it. Okay, but I did the out. audio version. Try the audio version. It's really like it great distracted with audiobooks. I'm such a visual person, but that's like, there are some like the power of now, like there's something about them. I'm like, I don't know. This is, it's like kind of old English a little bit and I'm just mm. like kind of dumb. So like, I need it to be like <laughs> gummed down. Um, but the principles are super helpful, you know? Um, and I love that you said that personal development never ends. It's so true. And these are principles to live by and values to live by. And your life can become so like rich if you cut out things that just don't matter you know consuming things that are obviously like making you sad and you know like not watching the news and not watching inflammatory things not following people that trigger you you know it's such a waste of our life force so i i just really encourage people to go within and, and build yourself up 
because your whole experience could change if you can like audit your thoughts and and notice like and just notice just notice that you're a conscious being and you can change your whole life if you just contemplate that you know contemplate your own consciousness and and get more self-awareness and you can control your whole your whole experience audit your thoughts i really like that i really 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 like that audit your thoughts audit your friends because you're believing out with your beliefs so i want to zone into something real quick although this is this can be real quick but we'll try you mentioned you kind of reconnected with creator with god obviously you believe in god how was that journey for you have you always have you kind of been brought up in a household where you always had faith or is that something that is relatively new in your in your life um i was only saying it that way because i don't want to be preachy but um yes i i was raised catholic and i did communion and confirmation and all the things and um so I would say, yes, I grew up in a uh, somewhat religious household, uh, spiritual and religious. I would say some people feel so much shame about saying like, oh, religion, religion. It's like, it's like okay, guys, like religion isn't a bad thing. Um, <laughs> That's why I wanted to ask you about it, because I think it's just people are afraid to ask sometimes even like yeah. the question of, yeah, so go ahead. Yeah, we've become such a secular culture that we can't even talk about god like the reason that we're all here and you know who knows why we are here but it's it's important to contemplate for yourself and to have a relationship with your creator for sure say it's life-changing um there was a time you know i had like a rebellious like bad influence boyfriend in high school i think i was 16 and he convinced me that there was no God. And I was just like being like a rebel. I was being like a little shit. And, and then I did my confirmation where they take you on this retreat and they make you all tired. They get you up at 5 a.m. They like give you all these letters that your family wrote to you. And I just like burst into tears. And you look around the room and everyone else is crying. On this church retreat, I would say I found God again because I don't know, something like really connected with me spiritually. I was like, okay, I'm giving this a chance. You know, there's a reason I'm here. And you know, there's no one like me. And there's like, I am like completely individual and there's no one like me. And that's, it's just when you have God in your life, you have this, this acceptance of yourself that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and Ooh, it's I like that, that. Help yeah. everyone, everyone finds, you know, because yeah. you can feel so alone in this world. I'd say that loneliness is something I've really had a lot of in my life, being in an environment and a culture that is totally different than me from like a very young age, you know, now in my adulthood, I reflect on my, you know, inability to join groups and like connect with people. And I feel like it's because the culture of Los Angeles and California in general, it's very isolated and very detached. And I'm a very like deep emotional person who connects with people very easily and, and, adapts friendships very easily there was just that one point in my life where i had you know uh a distance you know i, I didn't believe in god anymore uh, but i was in high school i was just like i was just being i was in a rebel a rebellion phase um mm -hmm. and then i went on this church retreat for as part of my confirmation and my catholic upbringing and they make you really tired on these retreats which like i think i think back and i was like some of these things i don't agree with but i do agree with the results you know and um I, I feel like I found God on that retreat and I've always had a relationship with since. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, 
have a relationship with God. I, I pray every day. My fiance is Orthodox, uh, Greek Orthodox. So that's been interesting to see like the differences because there's like, especially working for the Babylon Bee, they're like evangelical Christians. Like there's been a lot of like poking fun at different denominations and stuff. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I don't, I don't, you know, but apparently there's, there's some issues in the different denominations and stuff, but that's not something that I, you know, I'm going to, you know, die on a on any specific hill for. Um, but I do have a personal relationship with God and, and believe Jesus lived and died and all those things. So uh, I'm curious about your, your experience with that. What's your relationship with God like? I rediscovered that for sure. I was one of those people who for the longest time was very adamant about emphasizing that I'm spiritual and not religious. Like it was, it was very important for me to say universe and not God and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But in the last, since COVID, I have definitely rediscovered, rediscovered God and relearned and rediscovered what Jesus was all about. And it hit me really hard when I realized that all of the self-development stuff, Jesus was like the OG of it all, you know? And once I realized that, I was like, okay, this is this is very interesting. I think a lot of times, like you were talking about, you know, different denominations, a, a lot of times it can be beneficial because you connect to God through that. But often we, I find often certain religious can also skew your view of God. And that certainly happened to me. And I mean, I was really confused in my first, I don't know, 20 years of my life probably because I was brought up in a former communist society where religion was a huge no, right? That's another thing. It's like you don't, in communism, you don't worship anybody but the state, right? And so after USSR collapsed, people immediately re, like they've gone back to their their religion basically, right? You can't, you can't suppress it for that long. You It'll eventually come out. But so I found I had a very vague understanding of God and church and what that's all about. Like a lot of times it was the idea of God being this intimidating entity and like you need to be afraid of God, but not in the way that like it talks about in the Bible, but actually like God is like looking at you and constantly judging you and every wrong step that you make is like, you know, a sin. And, and in the last few years, my idea of God has changed and I, it's the most beautiful thing ever. You know, it's this pure unconditional love that you can get from anywhere, any like at all, anywhere or anyone. And um, I agree with you. I think once I discovered that relationship, I've realized that, wow, I'm like, I'm cool. Like I'm this human being who's here for a purpose and for a reason. And that's when you also kind of, like I started to not care that much about, what other people think, because I'm like, if I feel a calling to do something, or if I feel a calling to say something, that's God telling me I need to do it. And I need to say it. And I don't care what anybody else says, because God, God is speaking through me in a way, you know, that intuition, I always say that intuition is yeah. um, God talking to you, like you need to do yeah. what your intuitive leads are telling you to do, because that's a message that you need to fulfill. And yes. if I fulfill it, then who cares what anybody else says? You know? Yeah. And we have to actively, you know, make sure that we are clearing things that are getting in the way of our intuition, like medication, birth control, for example, like I, I, you know, bad food, like things that are getting in the way of you getting in touch with that intuition, like being still and being able to hear what God has to say to you and call you to do. 
there's so many things that are distracting us from that all the time, not, not just like in our food and our, you know, the things that we're physically consuming, but like media as well. And, it, you know, our phones are constantly in our hands. And uh, it's really important to make that time to listen and, and make that space for your time with God and your intuition and all that, because it's, uh, it's important. It's very important. So, um, yeah, I love everything that you said. And um, I wanted to share one more thing. It's like blanking now. <laughs> but um <clears throat> it'll come back if it's if it was anything important. <laughs> I wanted to touch on something that I think a lot of people will really be curious to know more about and it kind of ties into the whole idea of God to be honest, well in my oh. mind at least cuz like the acceptance that you were talking about. Um but how did you deal with like in the beginning of our conversation you were saying that you you know, you lost a lot of people you knew and you lost a lot of friends how do you deal with that when I'm sure it's happened to you when you lose friends because of your beliefs and your values oh yeah um I remember what I wanted to say and I think it ties into this actually I have a fiance who's just he's just awesome and uh I'd say meeting him our timing was crazy we met like two months before the lockdowns so we you know luckily had each other during all of that and um, being with him has guided me towards this new chapter that I've been embarking on. And, um, you know, every time it happened, every time somebody who I really respected and loved working with, like producers that produce like my favorite songs that I've written have unfollowed me, it just stings every time. It really hurts. It really hurts to feel like, damn, like, <laughs> um, I, I feel like, it just sucks. You know, there's no yeah. way around that. It sucks when people don't align with you anymore. But I think that I've accepted that that's just something that happens naturally in life. And we just have like this digital record of it on our phones now. But it's mm -hmm. kind of always happened. And like, how many times have you kind of drifted away from people and just like, oh, this doesn't really align with me anymore. I'm just gonna unfollow this. And it's not a big deal. It's not like hateful. It's just not alignment anymore. And that's okay. Right. But having having it be for my beliefs it makes it easier in a way because it's like okay well this is what i believe and if we just fundamentally believe like have different worldviews then we just have fundamental different worldviews and like it's crazy that you can be friends with someone for years or like be next to someone to have like all these amazing conversations for years but like you have a different fundamental like view of like when life begins or like someone can be like my ancestors thank you but like abortion is what we're trying bringing all this heavy stuff into it but truthfully like it's a different worldview altogether and and you can just like you know agree to disagree like you know there's some things you're just not going to agree on well so, i think uh, even the well, bigger problem yeah well go ahead just last thing i wanted to share this thing that my fiance always says because i really love this um people are afraid of god because they think he's judging you and you think that you, you need to be afraid of god's wrath but that's not how it is what it is is god is life itself god is like our source and we choose to cut ourselves off from it with our everyday actions so like when things are not going right in your life it's because you are cutting yourself off from this thing that loves you not because it's punishing you for doing these things you are choosing to detach yourself from god itself when you make these decisions that are not in alignment with god so I just wanted to share that. I like that a lot better than like, oh, no, I better not steal because then God's going to punish me. It's like, no, you stealing is you removing yourself from God. So get it right, people. 
Um, and I, like I kind of appreciate that. I like that. that viewpoint. Yeah, I like that view. I, I, <laughs> I, yeah, definitely. The thing also is like a lot of people always say like, well, if God exists, like why do bad things happen? And I'm like, fair question, but we have free will. Yeah, if we didn't humans. have free will, oh, it would it would humans be we're humans exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, something that I wanted to just mention when you were talking about you know losing friends over your beliefs and stuff like that. My problem is not even people having fundamental worldviews for me. I have friends who think differently in many ways. My problem is when people can't tolerate you having a different belief yeah. system or worldview on something. Isn't that it interesting? Is very interesting that it's not like, you. I'm a very yeah, I'm a very open-minded human being and I welcome other people's opinions. I'm curious to know, like, what, where are you coming from? Like, and it's totally okay to disagree with one another. We, I'm yeah. sure, disagree on many things, you know, that's fine. Like, we, I still, I can learn a thing or two from you. You can learn a thing or two from me. Like, it doesn't have to be this constant, well, if you disagree with me, with me on one thing, we can't talk or we can't be friends. It's like, okay, you just have right. a different worldview on this or, you know. So I think that's that's the thing that I'm kind of like always really because I again I have many friends who we disagree on a lot of stuff but we talk about it we debate we have I don't know a glass of wine or something and we're we're cool you know because it's like oh yeah you think differently than me that's fascinating you know yeah 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 it's it's another sad symptom of our culture today you know I, I think that it's also the fact that we have this like digital like permanent record with Instagram or whatever. That's what, that's where this fear and offend, offensiveness, sensitivity and cancel culture is all coming from is the digital permanent record. You know, I think that we disagreed in the past with our friends and it was no big deal. Um, we just talked about it and moved on, but because there's like this, this, I don't know, digital record of it. I think that that's, that's, it is very interesting as well that you have experienced that you can, be open-minded and accept other people's point of view, but they can't accept yours. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, you know, I don't want to be around anybody that can't like accept a different point of view. And I'm like, I want mutual respect and like, I'm giving you that. So like, why can't you give me that? So I just want, I, I relate to that a lot. You know, I've dealt with you just saying everything that you've been saying for the last like five years we've worked together or whatever. And you assumed I agreed with you. And then the second I speak up, it's a problem. So it's just interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that, like I said, it helps because it brings you closer to the people who do align with you. And it's something that I'm coping with, with our time, you know, like I don't talk to my neighbors. I don't feel like I'm close with my neighbors and my physical surroundings or my environment at all. But I have so many beautiful friends that I've met through Instagram or like online that I know I like align with values wise and beliefs and, you know, points of view. And it's, it's like something that I'm kind of coping with, you know, that we have this like digital existence and it's like I have digital neighbors and think people that I agree with and I have friends with all over the the country um mm. but not necessarily in my neighborhood so um yeah it's it's a very fascinating time time to be alive <laughs> it is i would rather be very alive great. now than any any other time though that's for sure it's and i think a lot of the times like every generation thinks that like this is it like this is the the, the most challenging worst time ever and it's like no it's we're not okay. we've been through worse we're gonna be okay you know well, yeah. Chandler, thank you so much for your time. We we are at our time, um, unfortunately, but how can people connect with you, find you if they want to become friends with you? How can they reach out to you? 
Um, I'm very active on Instagram and YouTube. Out of all the social medias, it's the ones I'm I'm uh, on the most and the most passionate about. So I'm uh, Chandler Juliet on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash/ChandlerJuliet, and I'm Chandler J Official on Instagram. So come say hey. I'm open. I'm open. My DMs are open. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you to our dear listeners for yeah. tuning in. We will see you next week. Thank you.